Welcome to Schools on the Front Lines, a new podcast brought to you by EdSource and the Ball Frost Group. I'm your host, Carl Cohn. I've worked in education for more than 50 years as a teacher, counselor, and district superintendent, as well as a state board of education member and the head of a new state educational agency. And I can say without a doubt that California schools are facing the greatest challenges of my lifetime. But where there's a challenge, there's also opportunity. In each episode of Schools on the Front Lines, I'll talk with leading superintendents and others from around the state about these issues and how they hope to overcome them. Schools must reopen, but how, when, and in what form? In this, our first episode, I'm speaking with Superintendent Dr. Christy Barrett of the Hemet Unified School District. Hemet is a 22,000 student district in Riverside County with a huge geographic scope of 627 square miles. It includes urban, suburban, and remote rural elements. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Christy, when in mid-March did you transition from in-school to online instruction, and what are the biggest challenges that you've faced as the leader of the school system since then? It took us, I would say, approximately two weeks to transition, recognizing that prior to the closure We were not uh, one-to-one implementation where students were taking devices home with them. And so there were logistics that needed to be sorted through prior to rolling out, if you will, this, this new model of learning. It is just by happenstance that the closure happened in conjunction with our spring break. And so that bought us a little bit of time uh, for the preparation part of all of this. I would say that we never truly transitioned to online instruction. And what I mean by that is, as you can imagine, there is a lot of infrastructure that needs to be in place for high quality learning to happen as a result of being engaged online. And so what we've been terming this is COVID-19 responsing rather than online instruction and understanding that there's a lot of variation across the district in terms of individual children and family experiences, as well as the instructional staff and their own level of comfort in instructing online. One of the obstacles that I mentioned that we needed to overcome was not only getting devices uh, into the hands of our children, but also recognizing because of some of the challenges that you mentioned earlier in the introduction that not all of our families have access to things such as the internet. And so not only were we charged with providing devices to some of our students, but also in the absence of that, how can learning continue? And so we did that through packets that we developed for weekly instruction that our families could pick up during meal distribution. Could you give us an example of what that might have looked like for an elementary, a middle, or a high school student? 
one of the things that we did in terms of the online portion, and, and you talk about some of the biggest challenges, is that our curriculum, if you will, was not designed to be delivered solely online. And so one of the things that we needed to do for all grade levels was to bring together resources into a centralized location that was accessible to our families as well as to our educators. And so one of the ways that we approached that was by creating a whole new website uh, that's called Hemet Learns. And so it's uh, very intuitive in terms of people being able to access a day-to-day types of lessons. Uh, we also had resources available for our students with disabilities as well as for our English language learners. In a very similar fashion, not knowing who was going to be coming through the food distribution lines to pick up packets, we also had to make sure that our packets included resources that all students would be able to access, regardless if they are a student who is also a English language learner or a student with a disability. But the challenge is, of course, is just simply how do you get all of that into the hands of people? What do your current plans for reopening look like? And how do they address the unique needs of your school community in Hemet? This is a constant moving target. And we have needed to land the plane so that we have a starting point. And currently what our reopening plans look like is that our doors will be open to anyone who wants to return. And we have an obligation to keep our children and our staffs safe. And so logistically, we're ensuring that we have systems and protocols in place for more frequent sanitization. We're looking at how do you minimize contact as it relates to food delivery service. We're looking at how do you reduce the number of students that would be included on a bus or within a classroom, understanding that this idea of social distancing is simply not practical in a normal classroom or on a school bus. And as you mentioned, when you are transporting students over a 600 plus mile region, uh, we would be busing students from sunup to sundown if we were to adhere to social distancing. So all of that to say we will be reopening to all families that want to return, understanding that there will be guidelines in place related to safety. And then for those that aren't comfortable in returning, we are going to meet them where they are, meaning that if we have families that want a online learning platform, they will have access to that. If a family wants hybrid, meaning that they come to school one to two days a week, and then the balance of the learning occurs online, we will be able to provide that to our families. We really, we, we joke and say it's it's like Burger King. We You want it your way, we're going to give it to you your way. And just meeting <laughs> families where they are, understanding that there's a lot of uncertainty. And, and so how do we go about customizing our delivery methods for what's in the best interest of our children and our families? That's great. Hemet, the Burger King district. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Of all the things that you could worry about in terms of the fall reopening, what do you worry about the most? Instability. This is a day-to-day changing set of circumstances. And I worry not only about our ability to pivot day-to-day in terms of our delivery model, but more so I'm concerned about what does this do to families? Because one day your kids are coming to school, the next day there could be an order that says you can't come to school. And so this 
potential interruption of not only learning, but life, uh, that, that is our biggest worry. And, and how do we take care of people knowing that things continue to be very volatile and unstable? As you rely on information that you trust about how to safely reopen schools, what groups or sources have you relied on principally? The Department of Public Health here in Riverside County has been a go-to resource. And the reason for that is just because it's most closely aligned to the context here locally. Over time, those orders have changed, and now the direction has been to follow the public health orders issued by Governor Newsom. And so in terms of the day-to-day, we understand that the public health orders should be pretty black and white and straightforward in terms of the expectation. And and so those have been the two primary go-to places for information. In terms of application, that's different than knowing the rule. I would say that AXA has been a great source of information. I'm just deeply appreciative of the effort that they have put forth in meeting with superintendents on a very regular basis via a Zoom or a virtual platform. And AXA being the Association of California School Administrators. And I would also say that um, our County Office of Education has been privy to a lot of conversations that have happened in Sacramento and just once again, a a great resource to real-time information. And of course, the value in that as well is with AXA, you have superintendents that are coming together from throughout the state, whereas at the county level, you have superintendents coming together from our specific region. And so you're able to look at the information from two different lenses. So for us here in Hemet, that's been the primary resources. I'm talking with Superintendent Christy Barrett of the Hemet Unified School District. Christy, what have you heard from your students and or parents and community about the unrest unfolding in the country and perhaps in Hemet? And how is that emerging phenomena influencing your planning for reopening? I have to start by saying that the efforts that we have put out in trying to gather information from how our families are feeling, how are they doing, community members, our efforts have primarily been around COVID. With that being said, after the unrest started most recently, I I did send out a communication to both our staff and our families. And shockingly, I have heard hardly anything. And I think that's because we haven't provided the right platform for people to really be heard and know that the district and myself are actively listening. And so I would say, just to be very vulnerable and transparent, I do not think that we have a good pulse on how people are internalizing and processing the unrest that is happening in our country, um, as well as in our state, and then, of course, locally. What I believe needs to happen is that we need to bring 
thought partners alongside us that know more about how to take care of people and change the hearts and minds and culture of what it is that we have institutionalized to be able to do better by the children and the families that we serve. And so here in Hemet, we recognize, I recognize that simply because we haven't heard from people does not mean that there is not an issue. There is an issue. And we have a moral obligation to unsurface that and to provide people with a voice and to respond to it. And so that is where our effort has turned and that is the charge that we will lead. And I have actually invited community members to lock arms with me in leading these types of discussions and then the forthcoming actions that should be associated with seeking to understand in terms of what it is that we need to do different as a district and a community. What could you tell us about Hemet's approach to school resource officers, school security, campus security, those kinds of issues? Four years ago, we did not have what I would call a security division. And that's important because anytime you are leading any work, be it work around instruction or work around security, consistency and how you are determining what actions need to be taken and how are you measuring for effectiveness. There has to be structure and and processes related to the outcomes that you're looking to achieve. And so over the last four years, we have established a security department. And what we have work towards is that this is not a set aside. This is part of the culture of Hemet Unified School District and the relationship that our SRO officers have, our campus supervisors have. They provide more than supervision, right? They are there to have relationships with our students, to create relationships with staff, because supervision isn't about policing. It's about being cognizant of your context and then how are you involving students and the adults on the campus to be part of the solution. And so if you were to ask me, what is our system? We now have a system. If you were to say, what are your processes? We have processes in place. But I think more so what we talk about in Hemet is what is the culture and how does every adult within the system support that in culture of embracing students building relationships with them and making sure that they have a voice and that we're interacting in a way that is responsive to the needs of those around us. So how are you communicating right now with teachers, the school board, labor partners, parents, and the larger community? Well, I keep my board close. And I I keep the associations close as well. And so related to the school board, a lot of phone calls. We've had a study session every week, the month of June. We've come together. So we've had a Tuesday board meeting every Tuesday. And the purpose of that is so that they have real-time information and so that they have FaceTime with myself and staff to be able to ask the questions that they need answers to because they interact and interface with community members and parents all the time. And so we need to make sure that not only are they providing input to staff, but that they also have the right information to be able to provide others when approached. 
As far as the associations, they have been alongside us since day one. Uh, they have been part of our contingency planning. We have, of course, needed to negotiate some of the effects of the decisions that we've made. We have weekly phone calls and Zoom meetings, either with myself or other members of the cabinet team, with the union presidents. And so we've been very inclusive, not only of the board, as I said, but of the associations, because at the end of the day, any model that we're going to implement to reopen schools has to be done with people and not to people. And we know that our associations are, are a key part of making that happen. In regards to teachers and our families, most communication at this point has been done via email through our parent link system where it's an automatic dialer that goes out. We've also created some videos and those have been the primary means. I've also led probably, I would say, close to a dozen staff meetings where staffs have come together via Zoom and just giving people FaceTime in that way as well. In terms of the community at large, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of synergy here. And so we are a tight group of community leaders. And we've been talking via Zoom as well, as well as text messaging and phone calls. So that communication is very natural. It, it hasn't needed to have a separate set of protocols, if you will, to communicate to the community, because I, I think that that's just naturally included as part of, of what we do. Um, we are also very fortunate to have a public information officer, and so she has done a tremendous job in terms of placing items on social media and what have you so that everyone, uh, both within and, and outside the community, has access to the decisions that we're making. To what extent are the rural parts of your district a bigger challenge than perhaps the rest of the district and just in terms of reaching people? Accessibility. Uh, hands down. I mean, you know, even just the challenge of internet and having access to email, even though many people have smartphones in our outlying areas, just because you have a smartphone doesn't mean that you have internet access because it is in fact remote. And so sometimes those devices don't work. Our approach to overcoming that is to bring our resources to them rather than having that responsibility be solely theirs. And so we are very fortunate that there are good relationships in the communities that are more remote. And so we're able to keep a good pulse on what's working, what's not, and then how does the district go about adjusting to meet those needs. Christy, if you had the state legislature and state policymakers, including the governor, in front of you, what would you want them to know about the challenges that you're facing leading a school system right now? I would begin by saying context matters. And please be intentional in bringing practitioners into the conversation that accurately depict the various contexts throughout the state of California. If you just look at the variation even within Riverside County, in terms of our preparedness to deploy devices one-to-one, -one, there's great disparity. And now begin to multiply that in terms of what it looks like across the state, because we are a large state. And so I would appeal to them to be very intentional and to reach out to practitioners to hear our voices. And I would say, get different voices than maybe what you would traditionally go to. 
because that may not be the most accurate depiction of what the needs are. I would also want to say to them, and I am not trying to make any assumptions, but if there was a time for public education to not be politicized, this is the time. There are thousands of educators across the state trying to do right by kids. And the ambiguity that comes along with the politics is disruptful and it's harmful. And we are all doing the best that we can. And this is just simply an additional layer that is causing complexity that I do not believe to be necessary. And so I think um, as a leader, I always have the responsibility to choose my words wisely and my messaging wisely, knowing that people react to that. And I would ask those in Sacramento to recognize that when they make claims or statements, that people react to that. And so to be thoughtful and to be inclusive would be my messaging for them. We've been visiting with Dr. Christy Barrett, the superintendent of Hemet Unified School District. Christy, thank you for cooperating with this, and we look forward to your continued success in Hemet. Thank you, Dr. Cohen. It was a pleasure being with you today. Riverside County is fortunate to have leaders like her navigating these uncertain times for schools. Well, I think it's only appropriate that we end this episode with a piece from the Hemet High School Jazz Ensemble's Colors of Jazz album. This has been Schools on the Front Lines, brought to you by EdSource and the Ball Frost Group. Our producer is Kobe McDonnell. Our opening theme is by Utah. Please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Carl Cohn. Talk to you next week.